immediately my spring break turned into making pitch decks and like pitching evacuation plans and pack-up plans for different universities. Took a red-eye flight back, did an emergency pack-up for Davidson College at the time. My business partner took a red-eye back from Boston and we just started rolling, right? And I think the whole world was in a, in a state of uncertainty and so were we. I mean, the first like plan that we pitched to a school was $1,950 per student to go in with like hazmat suits, body cams, pack kids stuff up, like ship it out to them, store things like, it was like, you know, a pandemic, we didn't know, like this is definitely like, we'll be risking our lives. You have your parents in the background saying like, what are you doing, stay home, or it, it was like a very confusing time. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and joining me today is the founder of Storage Scholars, Sam Chasen. An entrepreneur all his life, Sam started his first business at age five with a lemonade stand and ran a landscaping business as a teen. In 2017, during his freshman year at Wake Forest University, Sam started Storage Scholars in hopes it would help him to reach his goal of graduating debt-free. The company did that and more. An appearance on Shark Tank got the attention of Mark Cuban, and with his investment and support, Sam and his team have built a loyal customer base. Today, his company partners with 23 colleges and has grown from 64 customers in the first year to more than 7,400 today. Let's hear more from Sam. Well, Sam, thank you for joining me today on The In Factor. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rebecca. I'm super excited. Yeah, well, I'm excited to talk to you too. Uh, we met actually through some uh, email correspondence. And uh, so I'm just learning a little bit about what you've been doing um, with with, uh, with your company. So tell us a little bit, uh, I know you're a graduate of Wake Forest Business School and you actually, I think, got this, got this going as a student. So, uh, you know, as a university professor who works with students like you all the time, that's really kind of fun and exciting for me. So tell us a little bit about, um, about your, your company, Storage Scholars. How did you get there? Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Um, you know, did somebody inspire you in this? You know, how did that, how'd you get this opportunity and get this company started? Yeah, so I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I and mean, that was kind of obvious at a young age. I mean, at five years old, I had a lemonade stand like most people. But for me, you know, it was kind of lemonade stand on steroids. Like I would be out there eight, nine hours a day in the streets, no prices, like haggling 50 cents here, $1.50 there, for you it was $3. I went to like selling candy out of my locker in middle school, buying and selling, flipping dirt bikes, ATVs, lawnmowers, cars, into high school, it just kind of all came together. Um, and then when I went to Wake Forest University, um, before arriving there, I saved a good amount of money in high school and kind of my younger years, but it was always the goal to, hey, get the best education as possible, but also leave college without debt. It didn't even seem like an option. Hey, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to take out some loans. And for the next 20, 30 years, like, I'm going to start paying them off. It was, hey, here's this bill that I have that I need to pay, and I have four years to pay it. How am I going to figure it out? So coming into Wake Forest, just like three or four weeks while I was there, <laughs> I was actually talking to a couple of my international homemates. 
almost from China, almost from Ethiopia. And stereotypically, they were doing these two weeks weekends overseas. They'd be their check bags. <clears throat> and then they still had, you know, maybe a bicycle or they might have a mattress topper or school supplies and textbooks and stuff that they purchased on campus. And in talking to them, they were thinking, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what I'm going to do with this stuff at the end of the semester. Like, what do you do? I'm like, I've never been to college before either. Like, I mean, I'm going to drive my stuff home. But so there seemed to initially within, within like the international student population kind of be a need. Hey, these kids don't have a license to like drive their own stuff home. They don't have maybe friends or family members near campus that they can store their stuff locally. So, hey, like here's a real opportunity. So I went door to door in my freshman year with some flyers that I printed out of the library and just started not like selling the service, right? And it's interesting to also sell a service that you've never done before, like being super confident, like, hey, I'm going to come to your door, I'm going to do this, like, this is how it's going to work, and believe in yourself initially. Um, but that's kind of how the initial thing started. I connected kind of the need of some of my international home base, which ended up just turning into people that live more of like a, a flight away or more than like a five to hour drive away from campus. But then some of my other friends who ended up being some like my business partner later on who were working a work setting maybe on campus making the time of 7.25 an hour, minus taxes, working in the library, working as an email referee, so kind of matching those two needs together. Um, we serviced 64 customers the first year. That was like with my pickup truck and like one U-Haul, $18,000 in revenue. And then that first summer, like, here's an opportunity, let's grow that. And just started finding friends and expanding to different schools, just kind of expanding year over year over year. Yeah, yeah. So, so really, um, you, you know, you've always had this mindset about, starting things and being an entrepreneur and something that you grew up with and, and you saw an opportunity right away when you got there and, and started to look around. And so I'm curious, you know, did, did you have, uh, you started this with a partner. Was this something that uh, your partner, you and your partner got started right away or were you the, the primary one that got this going and how did that, that whole partnership come about? Yeah, so being a college student starting a business, uh, I worked with a lot of friends in the beginning. Some of them were months, some of them were even a couple of years, right? And so Matt Gromberg is my business partner, he's actually a year younger than me. Um, I started this my freshman year with a different friend, um, ended up not working out. We split ways, we actually switched the name of the company. Um, and my sophomore year, he was a freshman, Matt, and I was looking for someone to be like the Wake Forest manager, the school that I went to, my alma mater. Um, I was also going abroad the next semester. I needed someone to take over and I can kind of manage the, the branches in the different states on the different campuses. And that was just different. Right? I mean, all the friends that I worked with, um, some of them just had a different expectation of what like a career path would look like post-college. I couldn't necessarily offer, you know, here's $80,000, you know, major, you know, health insurance, right? Some, what some of their parents were expecting them to have. And that was a biochemistry at the time, med student, on the pre-med track, innately a very, very intelligent person. Um, he was always going to be a doctor. I was going to be a doctor. When I met him, the first day I met him was on Halloween. He was in a doctor's outfit in his scrubs. Like that, that was his persona. Right? Um, and he started working and using a similar mindset of you know, trying to pay off school too. And it just kind of drank the cool aid Right? I mean, he ended up graduating so much early, uh, switching his major to biology instead of biochemistry, so we can do the graduation early and running with this running this with full time. And in terms of like picking a partner, right? I mean, he was innately super intelligent. Like, it was the consistency and the dedication. He was just year over year, 
season, day over day, showing up, he was there, he was excited, um, and he was, he was passionate about it. And I, and I think for, if you, you really like look into the, the deepness of like kind of my hesitancy, um, of course it was you know, my own company at the time, and he was like, hey, I want to be put in, like, I'm really dedicated to this, like, I'm going to switch my whole career path. And the negotiation was it's now kind of public knowledge, but he I said, Hey, I can, I'll cut you in for 25%. And he goes, I want 30%. Okay. I'm like, okay, we'll do 30% but with a five year cliff. So either 25% or 30%. And if you leave anytime within five years, it drops down actually to 15 at the time. Um, and it was 30% five year cliff. So when you think about it, he didn't actually get a contract with me for the year after the year he graduated. So, it was going to be a nine-year path before he was like fully vested into the company. We ended up going and getting an investment a couple months ago, um, switching our business structure. I kind of wiped the wiped the uh, the cliff off the table. He's, he's more than proven himself, <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a tough decision to pick a business partner, right? I think it's stereotypically it's your average business partnership longer than your average marriage, so. Kind of having that in the back of my mind, it's a serious decision, right? Um, but it was the consistency, I think, is what it's showing and showing up. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mentioned earlier that I work with a lot of students and have for many years that are in the same boat. You know, they've got a concept, they're working on it in college, they've got friends. Um, it seems like a good idea to partner, and then you you learn a lot about them as things go on. And as you said, it's, it's like a marriage, it's a partnership, it's a relationship that, that grows um, and is often challenged over time. And uh, I find it interesting um, that, you know, you, you were able to, as a student, to, to sort of start seeing all of the issues that were coming up and deal with those. That was probably challenging uh, because when relationships fall apart, it can be really hard and, especially when you're a student. Um, and so do you have any, um, any suggestions for kind of how you keep yourself focused on the business and not let the emotional side of friendship and all of that? Did you, did you have mentors? Did you have an attorney that you worked with, um, you know, or, or, or professors, or just did you just kind of figure this out on your own? Yeah, I definitely can't credit all myself and I can touch on definitely the mentorship, of course, that I had throughout this process. But in terms of the relationship, for me, my biggest thing is that this wasn't, hey, I want to start this business because I want to make some money because it sounds like a cool career, it sounds fun or whatever it may be. This was, hey, I have a bill. I don't want to be in debt. I don't like that. Like, this is the opportunity vessel to get there. So... The relationships are great. I'm trying to grow a network in college. I'm trying to make friends. Like I had, that was like my primary focus, get my education, graduate, graduate, graduate. And that, that never wavered. And that was just the decision I made entering college and I kind of stuck, stuck with that. So I was able to kind of see paths. I think a lot of the times the relationships with people and unfortunately, yeah, definitely severed a lot of friendships. It is super tough. And I, brought, you know, I guess girlfriends and like partners into this business. I mean, it's, it gets messy, right? And but I think the beautiful part is college is kind of an entrepreneurial playground and with zero risk, really, in some senses. So to every time I would make some of these mistakes, mess up a relationship, lose some money, whatever it might be, 
I was always of the mindset, I think that came a lot through the professors that I had and the different classes that I was in structuring that way. Hey, these are just opportunity vessels to learn, right? Like this is learning, this is a learning point. Like, but by the time you graduate, think about the majority of the people in the world are just gonna be starting their career and now you're gonna have four years of experience under your belt with four years of mistakes and four years of lessons learned um, to base that off of. And I, I kind of saw when I graduated as a clean slate and that was always what I was thinking. Towards. Yeah, I mean, when you, um, when you think about it that way, college gives you a great runway to start a company. Um, you mentioned that you were always focused and motivated by finishing your degree and, and not in doing so without a lot of debt. And so those, it, you know, I, I think that uh, one of the lessons from all of this, this last conversation is, is really, um, you know, having, having a vision and being motivated can help you get through a lot of that. <clears throat> I had a different situation with some students who uh, dropped out of school because they had so much success with their company. Did that, did you ever think about that or did that ever, did you ever face that? Yeah. I mean, I come from a parent family of educators. Like my parents are both public high school teachers in New York. I'm the youngest of three. Like my siblings both went through college. So I think the path was paved in that sense. And that's kind of why like education is so highly valued. And I was like, I want to do it. I want to go through it. Um, Cause that was kind of not preached me, but I was like blessed me every single day. The aspects of like trying to figure out like why I wanted to do this was, was quite different. Um, and I mean, I guess we just remind me of the question again. I, I got so lost in thinking about my time. Yeah, I'm wondering. <laughs> no, and so I think, you know, that's a, that's a really good point because I know as an educator myself, um, you know, college, not finishing college was never an option for my kids. So they, ha- they knew they were going to be finishing college. So um, it's, it's something that, you know, the question was, did you ever think about, about dropping out of school? Yeah, I mean, my freshman year too, I definitely came home that summer and talked to my parents. And I, I worked for like kind of a high-end catering company in high school. And I saw that as an opportunity to, like, hey, I started this moving company. It was successful. Like, I could stay here in New York and Connecticut and kind of drop out and buy this barn and, like, throw these weddings and these events. Like, that was my, like, the limit of my ideas. So I think staying, I definitely thought about it. So glad I didn't. And if you think about the business that I run, it's a storage moving company on college campuses. Definitely very relevant that I was in college and like learned about my target market and like built relationships with administration, was an RA, was able to like talk to that experience with administrators as I pitched them after I graduated. So definitely glad I stayed. Um, I think that was more like an idea. And I think my my limit of opportunity, right, would have been stifled if I stayed in my hometown and went back home and dropped out of college. Um, so, so grateful that I did that. I was surrounded with a group of people whose families and environments were just kind of elevated and the expectation of success, which is on a different level. So, super important that I stayed in college. It's perfectly um, on path with me running this business. And I think if I was a college dropout talking about college debt and having college education and hiring college students, it, it wouldn't really match up. So, it's all kind of part of the story. So let's talk, let's move on a little and talk about how you built this company. Um, <clears throat> you started this in 2017 and you said you were a freshman. And um, so you had you had some years, three or four, I don't know how long it took you to get your degree, um, but um, to, to use the university services and build the company. And you had to balance that with your college work. So talk about how that worked for you at, uh, at Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, 
an aspect of it too was definitely my professors, right? And one of my professors, Greg Poole, Dan Cohen too, I know we mentioned that's kind of how we connected as well. But their, their belief in me um, at such a young age, I remember having this conversation with uh, Greg over winter break. I was in a class called Startup Lab. We got some funding. Um, we got some mentorship. We got access to free legal work and stuff as well. We're running through like our homework assignments for winter break. And he just mentioned to me, he's like, yeah, like I'm going to help make you a self-made young millionaire. And for him, that was probably just like a casual conversation, like two minutes on the phone. And those words have stuck me the rest of like my life, right? Me, I'm getting goosebumps right now telling that story too. So having some people in your life, fortunately, that happened while I was in college, give me that kind of belief statement. And for me, like million dollars, like millionaire, that sounded so far off. You know, I made $18,000, right? It's like, you know, what's going to happen here? Um, so that really helped keep me focused while in college. And I think it, once again, too, it was no longer, hey, I'm sacrificing this social opportunity, right, to go run this business. It was like, this is my primary focus, like, the education, graduate, learn as much as possible. And the other things along the way were just kind of bonus, too. And I definitely didn't limit my college experience. I mean, I was in a fraternity. Like, I played club soccer. Like, I, was in, like, I had had some friends, too. Like, <laughs> I feel like I lived the college experience like most people would. Um, I was an RA on campus my sophomore year too, which kind of in line was in line perfectly. But the balance really was never sacrificed one or the other. I think there's so much free time in college. You end up just instead of spending a couple extra hours sleeping or like sitting in the dining hall for two hours and talking with friends, you just do it for an hour. Or when you sit down to do your homework, it's not oh, it's eight p.m. I have the rest of the night to do it. It's, it's eight p.m. I'm gonna finish by ten. That's the time limit I'm giving myself. And like, you just start to create little goals and expectations for yourself. And once you start to meet those consistently, you find the time to just do other things, whether that's social, whether that's professional, whether that's academic, it all just kind of works out. We, we kind of forget how much time we waste, don't we? <laughs> and uh, we get really busy with things that probably don't matter. And when you pr have priorities, you can build those in. So uh, you started this company in 2017 and in 2020, uh, we were hit with a real big, uh, big issue, right, with the pandemic. Yeah. So how did the pandemic affect your company and building it? And of course, your education was affected. Um, so so what happened with Storage Scholars then during that time? Yeah, so I was on spring break, you could call it. And I remember the first call was, oh, wow, maybe we get to go back a couple of days later. That's awesome. And then immediately realizing, no, this is very relevant to me. Like, <laughs> I, I can't, I'm not going to be sitting here and just enjoying these next couple of days off. And immediately my spring break turned into making pitch decks and like pitching evacuation plans and pack up plans for different universities. Took a red eye flight back, did an emergency pack up for Davidson College at the time. My business partner took a red eye back from Boston. And we just, started rolling, right? And I think the whole world was in a, in a state of uncertainty and so were we. I mean, the first like plan that we pitched to a school was $1,950 per student to go in with like hazmat suits, body cams, pack kids stuff up, like ship it out to them, store things like, it was like, you know, a pandemic. We didn't know like, this is definitely like, we're we'll risking our lives. You have your parents in the background saying like, what are you doing? Stay home or, it, it was like a very confusing time. Um, 
And for us, we had planned expansion plans to be at about 13 campuses at the time. That stifled the growth in terms of like regional expansion, um, but we ended up building a lot deeper relationships with a couple of universities that we did end up working with because we were working, oftentimes our move out period is seven to 10 days. And we were working 78 days straight, hiring teams of 20, 30 students at a time, going in, masked up, loved up, packing things, FaceTiming people across the world and like scheduling FaceTime appointments, shipping things out. Oh, I forgot my passport. Bring that back, unpack it, store it, like donate this, throw this away, like, store this for eight months. Like it was crazy. <laughs> like it was nuts. Um, and I think the expectation was because we were so busy from an outsider's perspective, all oh, like storage scholars, like they crushed it or like, like it's a monopoly with the university now. Like we have to use storage scholars. Like, I mean, we grew in terms of revenue from the year prior. We didn't grow in the, the number that we were supposed to be growing to if it was a normal year. And our profit was near, was so much less than it was expected to be just because our, like our number employees that we had hired over the course of four or five months, which is their period was crazy. Um, and we had to re rip apart our entire website and build an entirely new business model with like different packages. I and mean, it was nuts. Um, and I think it definitely gave me the sense of what I like didn't want to do. Like we didn't want to be like a traditional moving company. It's just, it's just a lot of work. It's a, it's a gritty business. Um, so it definitely helped me appreciate the model that we had, the seasonality that we had. And it kind of set the stage too for the model that we offer. Um, the biggest value prop to students is that we have access to the dorms. Um, and that's with our university partnerships. So from the student's perspective, we give them boxes, tape, pack, and supplies a week before final exams. They pack up their stuff. They snap a couple of photos. They lock in the room and go home. We come in after they've left campus, after the campus is vacant. We do all the move outs in 24 to 48 hours, contact facility, put it in storage, and have it ready waiting, pre-delivered in the room before they've arrived back on campus in the fall. So from an operational perspective, it's super simple for us. From a customer, it's just like magically reappears. And that idea of like giving a moving company key access forms was pretty foreign. So the pandemic kind of helped expedite that process and say, hey, like we had to do it. So now why not do it in the future again? So it definitely helped in that sense. So, uh, yeah, so you had an initial surge, at least in work. What happened a year later <clears throat> when everybody still wasn't back, you know, or, or six months later? Was that still, you know, were, was that a slower time for you? Um, I mean, it's really impressive that you jumped right in, found opportunity but learned from that and then was able to refine your model. So what happened next? Yeah, I mean, the, the following year, we tried to as quickly as possible just go back to the model we had done in 2019 and retrain families and students and universities. Like, we're not going to pack up your room. Like, that takes six hours. Like, please pack up your own stuff. We also don't want the liability and like, knowing where, you know, where things went. Um, but there was still there was residuals of the pandemic for probably the next 24 months. Kids that were still in storage, kids that expected a certain level of service, universities that we had like long-term projects still kind of in the mix. So it was, even from like an accounting perspective, it was always like, you know, discount 2020. Um, like 2021 was still kind of like a, a lot of the international students aren't even back yet. Like we still had some increased expenses. And so it was, 
kind of took until this past year, 2022, where we felt like we're really back into, hey, here's what we want to be doing. Here's the model we're running. Here's the people we brought on board. Like, it's not like we're teaching them this business and this business and this business. And like, it's different for campus. It's here's what we do. Like, let's roll it out. Let's roll it out across the board. Um, so, and this next year, we'll continue to do that again. Well, it's, you know, it, it, there were clear winners and clear losers and a lot of businesses in between, but we all learned a lot, I think, um, during the pandemic. And I'm sure, I'm sure you and your company grew a lot during that time. So as you think about, um, you know, building this company, what were some of the, you know, biggest challenges you had with sales and marketing? It, it's really um, interesting. I love that you built this company, or it seems like you built this company on sales. So, rather than raising money. So, um, you know, that's a that's a great model uh, because it's always easier to raise money later if you've got the sales to prove, you know, the customer validation. Um, so, you know, talk about selling. You sell directly to university uh, leadership. And um, I had a company a number of years ago and we sold to universities. And that's a real challenge, even for somebody like me that's spent a lot of years inside of universities. Yeah, we have we have multiple sales cycles. So obviously, there's the B 2 C, which is like to the students and the families, like our actual customers. So you sell directly to the students rather than the universities. So we do B two B with the university to create the partnership, and then with that partnership, we'll be on the website. Um, sometimes they will send out some email campaigns for us. They might list us in like a parents newsletter. But that's more of like supplemental, that's table stakes. We're then, after we're partnered with the university, then going in and doing an unbelievable amount of grassroots marketing. And it's still the foundations of what I did from day one. I mean, we are flyering. We are setting up tables on campus outside the dining halls and doing giveaways and raffles. We're speaking in fraternity and sorority chapters and handing out warm cookies and like custom ping pong balls. I mean, we're, we're doing Instagram giveaways. I mean, we're, if the university lets us, we'll chalk on the sidewalks. I mean, like, we'll do whatever just to create uh, a brand on campus. And like, we're a moving company. I think other moving companies have different connotations, but we're a student moving company, right? And creating, having a bunch of people that work for us on the campus, not just from like a brand ambassador standpoint, but these are like operations, marketing managers as people work for us in a formal spring internship entire semester we're going through a formal like lms like learning management system working towards ideally getting them cross cut it like it's, it's it's a real it's a real opportunity right so we have really passionate people on campus that are our students and it's like almost trying to as much as possible photocopy the passion that i had at wake forest to then have that at the university of have that vanderbilt university that do and just have it's that make a good amount of money, get a ton of experience, um, but at the same time not have the risk of investing their own funds. It's completely, the upside is completely for them. So that's like the customer side, um, but for like the B2B side, and we're going to sales conferences, it's obviously all relationship business, and it's, it's, a, it's a patient game. So you, you have to start by uh, getting, getting the support of the university so that you can even be on campus to do all of your sales directly to your your customers um so so how how do you navigate that you know we talked earlier about some of the challenges of being a student entrepreneur and a young entrepreneur so you've got to build you know you've got to have trust was there uh you know how did you 
how did you start building trust? I know you, I guess you got Wake Forest first, which was a big help. Um, so building a few clients, but you know, what, how do you get the universities to let you on campus? Cause I know our university, you know, gets hit all the time with student entrepreneurs who want to do something on campus and they can't let everybody on campus. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a bigger challenge when I was still a college student trying to pitch a different university than my own because I think the expectation to was, hey, business might be great now, but are you really going to be running this when you graduate? Is this really going to be a sustainable thing for the next 10 years? So getting over that hurdle first would like kind of definitely stifle our growth a little bit. Um, but it's it's more of like, a, hey, we went to Wake Forest, so now 45 minutes away is Elon. Some of the people that worked at the schools might have worked at the same schools and they know you, they know the administration. Okay, like we can make that work. Um, and then it's going to High Point, which is 45 minutes away. It's like kind of expanding geographically first, just because there's internal connections and networks. Um, and then I would say even just, in, it's really taken to this past year where I'm on my, I'm like, I'm on my pitch deck, right? And like one of the last slides is, you know, don't take my word for it. Like take theirs and pictures of different university administrators that we've worked with. And to have like Georgetown, Wake Forest, um, Elon, like schools that people like actually know of, or at least whether it's in their region or just nationally, it helps. Oh, like you know, Georgetown uses it. So I'm, I'm American University. I'm George Washington. Like yeah, like I'll use it too, right? So the dominoes start to kind of fall when you have also some more like name recognition too. So it's definitely been. I mean. Hard, right? Um, I think you just you got to be patient, um, but it's just slowly trying to just create trust over time through personal kind of a snowball effect. You you have to start somewhere and, and build it. So let's talk about some of the fun other stuff that you've been involved with. Um, you got the chance to be on Shark Tank and had a successful run there. Talk about Shark Tank. How did that happen, and what did Shark Tank do for your company? Yeah, so. I had actually applied two years prior when I was a senior in college. And uh, at the time, I thought, like, we were so far along. They're like, you're the best pitch we've heard in 2019. Got to be on Shark Tank. We can't tell anyone, but, like, we'd be going out to parties and people like, yeah, you're on Shark Tank. Like, in my head, I we thought we were going to do it. Um, pandemic hit, and then we never got a call again. So whether or not that was actually going to go through, I don't know. And having now gone through the whole process, we were nowhere near like the final stage of your end step, like one or two. <laughs> um, but I applied again kind of off the whim. I was uh, at home, like at my family dining table, feeling kind of nostalgic. I'm like, oh, I'll apply again. Let's see what happens. Got a call two months later. And it, it's a it's a part-time job for about 10 to 11 months to get apply to the show, interview, get on, submit all the documentation. I and mean, they, they literally will send you for weeks. They call them homework assignments. Homework one, homework two, homework three. Like it is, it's a lot of work. And for us, Matt and I, it was just very quickly, we just had a, we kind of just had a mindset change. Like we might be working on an opportunity that might make us $20,000 in sales. Shark Tank thing came in. It's like drop everything, full effort, like, we need to rock this, right? And that was just the mindset. We've already spent six months, so let's just go to the end. Um, and a lot of it, too, was trying to gamify the show as much as possible and make sure we didn't just go on, but also that we had a really good performance, right? Like, we didn't want to go on, spend all this effort, you go on, and it like, 
you forget your lines or they make fun of you or they call you like privileged or like, you know, wherever it might go. And then it's a bad PR stunt, right? So there's a lot of it. It was, I mean, I would say it was kind of a performance. I mean, it's a reality television. We practiced hundreds of times, right? We wanted to make sure we nailed it every single time. So that was like getting on the show. Um, and then afterwards, I mean, the biggest thing for us was before Shark Tank, we were storage scholars, like storage moving company. After Shark Tank, we were storage scholars, the Shark Tank, Mark Cuban-backed storage moving company, right? So from the B2B standpoint, I mean, people just started taking our calls, right? Because it was like the first five minutes of our demo is about Shark Tank, like it's exciting. Like they want to have, it's an easy kind of point to talk about. So then we have 70 plus schools like in our university pipeline um, that we've given demos to, which is nuts. Like that is crazy. Um, and then from like a, none of them like, I, you know, one close, like oh, the sales cycle is still very long, but at least like they're taking our call, we're getting our foot in the door. And then from a getting like student employees and workers, um, we definitely had kind of a top of the funnel problem. We weren't getting enough applications, and honestly, some of the applications we were getting just like weren't as quality. And I think we were just competing. I know we were competing with other internships. I mean, you're on Handshaker, Simplicity on the University like, website, operations manager from storage dollars. Like, it doesn't sound that exciting, right? But the difference in being the difference being like, oh, this is like Mark Cuban back, like internships. Exciting. So we've seen just a ton of flood of applications come through with really quality individuals that, that want to come work for us, which has been. Yeah, the, the marketing side of it is huge. We've had a couple of our students also who have been successful and it just it totally changes your opportunities. Um, so, you know, which can be which is good, but it can also be a challenge to grow like that suddenly. Um, and, and you pointed out the time you had to invest to, to get ready for it. So did you have some challenges afterward with meeting demand and scaling up and, and being prepared for that? Yeah. So we are primarily a like summer storage company. So when we aired on October 14th, transparently, when we had 14 people sign up and like pay a $50 deposit to use our service. Um, and we had set up so much infrastructure to like potentially take all the demand. We had all our customer success representatives working like shifts at, over the weekend, just in case we got like, you know, thousands of calls. And it, I mean, it really wasn't like that. I mean, I think if we had a product, we, we would have seen the call like the Shark Tank bump where we had a bunch of sales and that's going to residual effect that will happen when they re-air us. Um, and even the first two weeks after it was so exciting. It was kind of like, not why did we do this, but you know, it's not like we, we didn't receive a direct value of like dollars, you know, right afterwards. Um, and then we started doing the sales outreach. Then we started doing the same methods we were doing to hire students. And the, the switches were just flipping. People were taking our calls. People were applying. Like that was the real value that we saw. And the real the value from like a customer acquisition standpoint, a brand loyalty standpoint, a brand recognition standpoint that's yet to be determined because that's going to happen this spring. So that's just still like an exciting little uh, surprise and the horizon. Um, you know, I think it's really impressive what you've done. And I know that uh, this kind of success doesn't come without challenges. 
So have you ever felt like giving up and have there ever been any times that you were, you were close to saying, you know, I think I'd rather go to grad school or do something different. Yeah. So for, for me, it was, I think going back to the point of like, this was a need, there was definitely days, right? You'd wake up, it's, it's day nine, you've gone to bed at at least two to 3 a.m. every single night, you're waking up at six again, you have eight missed calls and it's before the sun's even rise, you're a calculus final the next day, your feet hurt, like you're mentally exhausted. And you're like, am I really gonna do this again? <laughs> like, like another day, just like back in the early days, like actually doing the moving, right? And then you quickly think, okay, I have seven people waiting for me outside in 45 minutes to go move. Like they gotta get paid and how they can have direction without me. You have customers that if you just don't do it, like there's no one else that's going to do it for them. Um, so they're relying on you in that sense. And also questions like, well, am I going to want to do this tomorrow? Maybe not like today, but am I going to want to do this tomorrow? And if the answer is yes, then I'm going to be in such a world of like hurt and pain from cleaning up the mistakes that if I just decide to like sleep a couple extras now, extra hours now for tomorrow. So it's definitely like moments of, this is crazy what I'm doing right now. Like is the value there, but it was always a quick perspective change. So this is no longer just me. This is no longer me just like, you know, selling one lawnmower to one guy. If I don't sell it to him tomorrow, today I can sell it to someone else tomorrow. This is, I have students and then I have families that are relying on me, like from like student, like customer standpoint, from like employment standpoint. And if this is like the future of the rest of my life, like I'm not gonna screw this up because I'm tired one day. So definitely a ton of struggles, a lot of pain, a lot of lessons learned, but I think unfortunately having some perspective early on of that this wasn't just like a school project, but this was this was the beginning of the rest of my life. Yeah, and, and it it gets bigger than you, right? And so um, that that's you know, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people misunderstand when they start companies is the obligation they begin to feel to their employees and their customers and to their business. So what's uh, what's the future look like? Like what's coming up in 2023? We're, we're here early in the year and uh, it's fun to think about, you know, opportunities ahead of us. So what's 2023 looking like for, for Sam and for his business and for storage scholars and all the employees there? What do you, what do you have in mind? Yeah, so this past year we were on 23 campuses across nine states from New York down to Texas. We have some big shoes to fill in 2023 and it's very exciting. So we're, we're expected to be at around 60 campuses this spring, coast to coast. Um, and we're actually integrating a new logistics partner, a company called Server BGRS biggest global logistics company in the world. They're the backbone of Apple and Amazon's logistics, and they're going to help us basically take our model. And this is this is kind of like the vision, right? So we, we've targeted oftentimes a lot of freshmen, sophomores, juniors, students on campus. We added a new service offering called the Ship to School, where we had incoming freshmen that were shipping boxes, prepaid shipping labels. They ship it back to us, as well as their online wish list. We store it over the summer, have it ready and waiting in the freshman dorm room. Okay, we've increased the customer life cycle. That's awesome. Now we have these graduating seniors that are all moving to New York, they're moving to Boston, they're moving to LA. We're not really taking advantage of these like more interstate moves, these like long, longer moves. So bringing in a company called Server, like, with, with, like Server that can help us with the more commercial level moves is awesome. 
And then at the same time, too, we have these contracts with the universities where we are the preferred moving and storage vendor. We've only been using it from like a student perspective, but now we're getting calls and saying, hey, can you, you know, we're renovating a dorm, right? And we have 120 students that are moving from downtown to uptown. Can you pack, can you move them all out, store them for two months and then bring them back? Or can you take these 3,000, you know, mattresses, store them for eight months and then bring them back? So there's an opportunity to really stay focused on our student are moving in storage on the university campuses, but see such a longer kind of opportunity vessel for them. Um, and then I kind of like to say it's like the Crest versus Colgate model. Like if we're, once you choose one, you kind of use them the rest of your life. And if we're moving students from age 17 to, to college, throughout college and to their first job, I think there's oftentimes an opportunity where they're going to be calling us when they're 27, moving to their first house. So 2023 on the horizon, Huge expansion. We brought on a ton of new employees. We have this new logistics partner that we're working with. Um, and it's every year is a big test. Every year is like, this is the test to see if it works, right? But I think a coast-to-coast expansion um, and maintaining the quality that we've like worked so hard to, to establish these last, last six years um, on such, such a larger scale and on a national scale with like some more people under the microscope, I think it's just, that's most exciting to see the vision outside of just students on campus campuses as a whole is what's keeping me uh yeah that that's exciting scaling is a whole new level right and so it's uh literally and so good luck with all of that it sounds like it's going to be an exciting 2023 and i look forward to checking in with you later in the year to see how that's going this has been a great conversation sam i've really enjoyed it um you know it's uh, it's very impressive what you've done some of the challenges that you have as a young entrepreneur, a, a student, a scholar, and uh, entrepreneur. And uh, I think there's a lot of great lessons in, in our conversation. If you had one piece of advice um, to share with our audience, knowing that a lot of them are um, aspiring entrepreneurs or early stage entrepreneurs, what would that be? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is whether you're a college student or just anyone looking to start a business, the question is always when, right? Like, when is the best time? And the answer is pretty simple. Like, if you want to get big muscles, you go to the gym and you eat more. If you want to start a business, like, you start doing it today, right? And I think a lot of the fears that people have of starting a business are fears that are related to maybe customers like 100 through 200. They're not related to customers one through five. So, best advice is if you want to do something, start it today. And, Go knock on that first door, talk to that first customer, like sell them the service, talk to them about your product and let the other problems and worries and stuff come to fruition down the line, but just take that first step. And once you cross through that barrier of fear, come out on the other side and make that first sale, whether it takes you a day or it takes you a month or two months, like you're going to be so empowered and so excited to just like, Step after step after step after step. You'll you'll learn the rest. It's a learning journey, isn't it? You just take it's taking the first step. That's fantastic advice, and appreciate you sharing that today. Sam, where can our audience find out more about you? Connect with you? Learn about Storage Scholars? Um, all of the above. Yeah, so you can find us storagescholars.com or at Storage Scholars on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, LinkedIn. Um, I'm at Sam J. Chasen, my business partner, Matt, 
is at Matt Gromberg on Instagram. Um, check us out. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. We're, we're active in the DMs, but wonderful. Thank you, Sam. There. Really appreciate you joining me today. It's nice to see you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Looking forward to doing it again. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.